Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless Visa card to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. 36-9. to The 49ers JV goes out and beats up the New York Giants varsity. And I'll tell you what, that it's not an insult to the guys on the 49ers JV that I just call them the JV. That's just how good the 49ers depth is. They had their B team out there in many ways, shapes, or forms. I mean, you, you had your... Second best quarterback, you're missing your best running back, you're missing your best tight end, you're missing your best wide receiver, you're missing your best defensive lineman, and you're missing your best cornerback if you're the 49ers. You didn't even have a good long snapper today, and yet you still win the game by nearly 30 points. It was an impressive flex of the 49ers depth. We've seen many of those over the past year. I think, Matt, it goes back to week six of last season when the 49ers went into L.A., beat the Rams without both starting offensive tackles. But now they're being presented with new challenges injury-wise on a weekly basis, and they continue to answer them. Nobody's saying that the Jets or the Giants aren't any good, but any time that you're able to outscore two NFL teams in consecutive weeks on the road the way that the 49ers did, uh, it's impressive, and it's doubly impressive because the 49ers got out of MetLife Stadium, a place which caused them so much horror with those injuries they got away with what looks to be it doesn't look like there are any more serious injuries in this week three game so uh 49ers have to be happy about how this road trip ended yeah i mean i guess the most serious injury was to jordan reed and when that happened i was um i was interested because nick mullins is a guy that likes to go to his tight end back in in 2018 obviously it was george kittle no George Kittle for this game, so Jordan Reed was going to be his guy, and, and early on he was. I think he attempted five throws to Reed, and you know it seemed to be a connection that uh, was going to be used early and often in the game. Then Reed goes out, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, what's what's Nick Mullins going to do now? Well, what he did was spread the ball around to everybody else. He hit 10 different targets in that game, including Ross Dwelly, the backup backup tight end, with uh, some really big throws uh, right before the half that really seemed to sort of jolt the 49ers and get them on track, get them into a better rhythm. Uh, And then they scored a touchdown on that drive, and the route was on from that point forth. Dennis, I mean, Mullins uh, seemed to gain confidence, and the Giants didn't put up much resistance at all in that second half. And then you saw Brandon Ayuk uh, just blew up in the second half and he looked like a little mini Debo Samuel. You know, that's got to be encouraging. And you watch this offense, there's going to be a lot of explosive players on it. When, when everyone gets back, just think about it. When everyone gets back at George Kittle, Debo, Raheem Mostert, just think about how powerful, you know, explosive this offense can be. And, and Nick Mullins, I mean, what can you say? Going into this football game, everyone kind of knew what his work ethic was and you knew that he was serious he knew the playbook he knows the playbook he knows the scheme and uh i was just interested to see about his confidence and he and he showed i mean he stayed in the pocket he looked very comfortable talk about getting the ball out on time he had some beautiful passes even some to the perimeter so you know all the way around it on defense 
the way these guys showed up on defense was just incredible. And, and David, you said the B team, but, you know, a lot of these guys now, I mean, they can start on a lot of uh, NFL football teams because they really showed out today. And I know talking heads are going to be, you know, the, the Giants aren't very good, the Jets aren't very good, but still very impressive today on both sides of the ball. You know, point differential is predictive of success. It's as predictive as anything of success, and that means that it doesn't matter if you're playing a bad team or a good team, if you blow out the teams that you're supposed to blow out, historically speaking, when we have looked at results, when we have tried to project records, the biggest indicator is point differential. And the 49ers did what they were supposed to do to the Jets and the Giants. And look what they did last year throughout, what, the first eight weeks of the season? Everybody said the 49ers were playing a bunch of bad teams. They're just beating up on the bad teams. Well, that's what they should have been doing. They were beating up on the bad teams, and that was our first sign last season that the 49ers were, in fact, a good team. Because then when they started playing the good teams, they were beating them too. They even blew out some of the good teams last season. So you can only beat who they put in front of you, and you can only do it with the guys you have available. And the 49ers are doing it with, yes, just the quote-unquote B team. But as Dennis said, that B team is definitely uh, something to be reckoned with, and they're definitely plowing through the opposition that they have been able to plow through in weeks two and three. The team is looking much more cohesive than it was in week one, Matt. Obviously no preseason this year. Mike McGlinchey, I asked him because the pass protection for the 49ers was not good in week two. I mean, the Jets don't have a great pass rush. They really struggled today. And in week two, the 49ers were just allowing way too much to get through to the quarterback. I mean, it ended up with Jimmy Garoppolo hurt. That was one of the issues. And and the pass protection started off shoddy again today. Lake and Tomlinson, you know, allowed a sack there of Nick Mullins. And, you know, the blocking just wasn't fully on point. But then the 49ers really clicked. And when I asked Mike McGlinchey about it, he said, yeah, of course, no preseason has, you know, put some extra rust on that we're knocking off. Uh, but we really did feel that uh, we got better throughout the game. And, and and McGlinchey said that there's still a lot more to go for the 49ers. Obviously, they're going to have to play better teams, be sharp up front, even as the schedule intensifies. But as far as, you know, getting past that loss against Arizona in week one, I think the 49ers are well on their way despite being a lot less healthy because now it seems that they finally have, you know, entered the, the rhythm that we talked about them having to enter over the past couple weeks. Yeah, and um, you know, it looks like the schedule did them a favor that these two New York teams served as a, a bit of a bridge to get the 49ers beyond some of these uh, these injuries, and they should have some of these guys coming back soon. We'll have to check in with, with Shanahan early in the week on injuries to Raheem Mostert, and uh, Jarek McKinnon actually left the uh, the Giants game in the fourth quarter with a rib injury. That could be concerning moving forward, uh, given what we, we've seen with rib injuries recently with Tyrod Taylor and et cetera. But um, it's uh, possible that Mostert is back. It's possible that Jimmy Garoppolo is back. It's possible that uh, George Kittle is back. So they'd be adding to what you, you guys are both describing, a, uh, a coalescing offense, if you will. And, and we've seen that, uh, especially from Mike McGlinchey, uh, last year. Um, he's a guy that it sort of needs two games to really get into uh, the groove. Um, you saw that in the beginning of the season with him, then he got injured, and it took him a couple of games to really kind of get back into it. Same with Joe Staley. I mean, that, that may be just a an off- offensive lineman thing, but if you get these offensive linemen going on this 49er squad, it's a good group. <laughs> you saw that on a couple of these scores where you know the 49ers ball carriers literally had 
a phalanx in front of them, an escort into the end zone, and the, the guys weren't touched. You've got Ben Garland, who's practically in the end zone. You've got McGlinchey, who's on the goal line. When these ball carriers are crossing uh, into the end zone, that's impressive. The, the wheels on this offensive line is impressive. Uh, Dennis, you probably saw something similar with the 49ers offensive lines in the in the 80s and early 90s, but um, you know uh, the way that this offense can move, uh, including the big guys, is uh, is is a huge deal going forward. Yeah, and and that's a Kyle Shanahan thing: athletic offensive linemen. And I I can't remember what part of the game it was, but it was a touchdown. Ben Garland made a fantastic block on like the third level, second or third level. He was down the field. Yeah, it, it reminded me of Guy McIntyre running down you know, the field and blocking DBs. And, you know, that's a that's an offensive lineman's dream, yeah. you know, one-on-one with a with a DB. So, I mean, this this offensive line, we you know, we had a lot of questions about them. But again, I mean, they, they just kind of, they step up. I've said it before. They should have T-shirts in his locker room saying next man up because every time there's a next man up, that person shows up. And, you know, we can talk about the defensive line. What happened on defensive line, I think, you know, missing three defensive linemen and your best outside pass rushers, I think some guys really stood up today and kind of said, hey, listen, we're on this team. We still want to contribute and we want to win football games. We want to, we want to continue to play at a super high level. So I was impressed. Uh, I didn't know going into the game what to expect. But, you know, second half, it just it just kind of broke wide open. And, and the 49ers looked like they were really everything was on time. The only thing I can think of was the special teams was the fact the ball couldn't get back to uh, kick any field goal or any extra points, but I'm going to blame that on the turf <laughs> this week. So, so you know, other than that, I mean, you know, there wasn't many mistakes. They, you know, they, they just looked like they were clicking on all cylinders. Let's take a quick time out to talk about Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. I'm excited for Jimmy Garoppolo to get back into the 49ers lineup so we can see him working with his stable of weapons. That's going to include Debo Samuel, George Kittle, of course, Raheem Mostert when he's back and healthy. And that's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of fun to write about during this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Remember, Long snappers and the failure of that position has a big part in 49ers Giants lore. Uh, the famous comeback 49ers Giants wildcard game. Yeah, Trey Junkin. The ghost of Trey Junkin might have uh, haunted Kyle Nelson today, <laughs> but that was in the game that the Niners were down 24 points late in the third quarter, two, January 2003 NSC wildcard game. They came all the way back. Jeff Garcia, Terrell Owens, Ty Streets had the go ahead and eventual winning touchdown, and then the Giants had a chance to win the game with a you know, makeable field goal attempt after all that craziness of that comeback. And uh, Trey Junkin, a long, strap, a long snapper who I believe they had just picked up off the street, uh, messed up his second or third snap of the game at the final gun, and, and the 49ers won. Today, uh, the stakes were not nearly that high. Uh, especially for Kyle Nelson, because you know he he could have messed up four or five more snaps, and and, and it wouldn't matter. Uh, the 49ers won this one, thirty six to nine. 
Kyle Shanahan said that after he, you know, failed once or twice, he got the yips, which you never like to hear because the the yips are one of those things that it seems really hard to to fix. You know, you you can't really put your finger on it sometimes. And um, 49ers trust Kyle Nelson. They wanted to keep him around. They insisted on keeping him around even when he was suspended for the performance-enhancing drug violation last season through the first several games of the year. Um, you know, they were very honest with him, and, and, and they said uh, that you, you're going to have a job when, when uh, this is all said and done and you come back from the suspension. You're our guy. You're our long snapper. I mean, it, it, that meant a lot to Kyle Nelson last season, and that's probably going to be what helps Kyle Nelson get through this weird struggle that we saw on Sunday. He's going to need the team to, to believe in him because it does seem like it's all – up in his head that's that's what we're gathering right now is just a yip so we'll see if the 49ers can uh iron that out matt but it was certainly a weird twist on an otherwise dominant performance yeah i'd never seen anything like that before i mean you, you mentioned trey junkin he had one bad snap in that game uh kyle nelson just could not get it together uh the, the first snap was high every every other one was low they had to abort two kick attempts uh, one of them was erased by uh, a face max penalty by the, the Giants. But uh, you, you just saw him on the sideline, and he was just distraught. Um, you know, uh, I, I was thinking of a, a second baseman who can't throw the ball to first base, like a Chuck Knobloch uh, type of situation where it just becomes a mental block. And he seemed to have that. And, and you're right. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to break out of those things, I would imagine, once you get into them, uh, it's just inside your own head. So uh, Dennis is right. That was one of the, the few critiques that you could find uh, for the 49ers in this game. I, I thought another one could have been that they were obviously not prepared for sort of the read option stuff that Daniel Jones was was throwing at them. I, I guess he doesn't really have a reputation as a running quarterback, but he did have some some wheels in the 49ers defensive end. The, the edge player on those plays really didn't know what was going on. Um, and, and I think that's, that is an issue for this team, given who's on their schedule coming up. Uh, they've got Josh Allen from, from the Bills. They've got Cam Newton from uh, the, the Patriots, Russell Wilson twice, Kyler Murray one more time. And uh, e- even next week, uh, Carson Wentz um, is a, is a pretty mobile quarterback for the Eagles. So, uh, being able to uh, stop the opposing quarterback's legs, especially on uh, design plays, has got to be something that's on their radar right now, given uh, who their opponents are coming up. Yeah, and you would think this defense, with the division that they're in, that that would be something you would do very well. But uh, today we saw, I think it was Deion Jordan on one play, he just looked completely lost. Yeah, uh, and it looked like he had never seen a quarterback pull the ball out on a read option and take it. Those were the two, I think, probably the two biggest plays of the day, were those read option plays by Daniel Jones. And like you said, he's he's an underrated running quarterback, but he he did look good on those two particular plays. But you have to get that figured out. And now that's something that's that jumps out in the film. I mean, something that's just wide open like that any offensive coordinator is going to kind of mix that up in, in their game plan. So those are things that you have to work on. I think it's just more reps for, uh, for, for Dion. And I think he just has to understand that, especially in this division, you mobile quarterbacks, it's kind of what you have to defend against, but the 49ers kind of have a history of having problems with mobile quarterbacks. So you just got to get better at it. That being said, 
the Giants did not enter the 49ers red zone today. That's, you know, you're talking the game after Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas get hurt. No Richard Sherman. Uh, you had a second cornerback injury with Akella Witherspoon, uh, you know, hurt late in the week in practice. So the 49ers. Mosley went down during the game. Yeah, a third one. Mosley went down with a concussion. So your cornerbacks were Jason Verrett and Dante Johnson. I mean, who would have scripted that in, in the offseason? I don't think we saw that coming. And by the way, Jason Verrett's looking good. Yes, Jason Verrett yes. is looking like the confident cornerback that we saw in training camp. So, and Dante Johnson isn't, isn't looking bad either. The, I mean, I, I don't think that Daniel Jones was particularly equipped to really pick apart the 49ers secondary. I mean, the guy was terribly inaccurate. It was 17 to 32, uh, you know, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn today. So it was one of those where the 49ers might have gotten away with a couple. But in general, when you don't let that other team into your red zone, uh, when Fred Warner is jumping pass patterns uh, for interceptions like we saw, when the pass rush is still coming after Daniel Jones hard, I mean, we talk about Deion Jordan's bad play on the run pursuit. Well, Deion Jordan was also all over the backfield in, in his pass rushing situations. Ziggy Ansah, I thought, was getting some pressure today. And that's tremendously good news for the 49ers moving forward. Matt, I think it's, you know, if you're a 49ers fan after watching this game, you can be hopeful that that pass rush won't lose too much steam. Because when I watch the other teams in the NFC West, Seattle obviously throwing all those deep balls. Arizona loves to do it too. Obviously, the Rams are are a, are a team that will air it out. You have to have a good enough pass rush to prevent the DK Metcalfs of the world from getting behind your secondary. So we know that the 49ers are going to decline without Nick Bosa when it comes to the pass rush. I mean, that's that's obvious. Without Nick Bosa, without D Ford, you're not going to be as good. The question is, how much does it erode? And I think if the 49ers can keep that pass rush strong enough, they can keep the lid on the defense. They can keep the lid on guys like DK Metcalf going, you know, crazy against them later this season, at least enough for their own offense to score and try to win those games. And I think that today was a promising start in that regard based on what we saw out of Ziggy Anza and Deion Jordan. They just can't afford any more injuries. I mean, they're, they've, they've reached their saturation point at, at defensive end. Um, I thought that Ansa, I, 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 we'll have to wait until tomorrow to see how many snaps he played, but it was more than I was expecting. Um, he was out there. He was basically their, their designated pass rusher. He was, he was sort of in the, in the D Ford role at times today. Um, you know, he, he didn't have any sort of off season, didn't spend training camp with, uh, with any team. So he was coming in right off the street. So I figured, okay, maybe they'll give him 15 snaps or so. You don't want to hurt his hamstrings or, or whatnot. But uh, uh, I'm going to say that he played at least 25 snaps in this game, and he looked fresh. He looked like he had fresh legs. He was getting off the the line of scrimmage uh, very quickly. Uh, I don't think he had any sacks or any quarterback hits or anything. But um, you know, on on, on that play that uh, uh, Warner intercepted the, the Daniel Jones pass, Ansa did a stunt with the, the defensive tackle on the play and was getting towards Daniel Jones on the on the throw. Uh, so, I mean, it, it seemed like he'd been here for a few weeks and not just a few days. Uh, so that's good. And then I thought that uh, Deion Jordan's sack was, was really impressive. I mean, he showed real uh, quick, quickness, nice, uh, nice move there to get past the left tackle, exactly what you want, uh, especially if D Ford's going to be out for a little while longer. And uh, Shanahan did say that he he thought that 
Ford would be out at least one more week. So maybe week five against the Dolphins is when Ford comes back from that back injury. And how about my man, Kerry Hyder Jr.? He was a beast today. I mean, he dominated the defensive line. I mean, he was rushing the passer. He was playing well against the run. And him and, and Javal Kinlaw, I think, are Kinlaw is just getting better. I think the more reps he gets, he's just getting better. And I, I think he's, he's starting to understand how to play defense now. I mean, you just go, 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 go as hard as you can and, and be around the ball that you can make plays. So these guys stood up, and it, and it was impressive to see I know there's a lot of talk about Deion Jordan not really having a good camp, but, you know, when, when he puts on the pads game day today, you know, he had that one bad read on that option. But other than that, he was getting his pressure. He was doing what he was supposed to do. So, again, it just, it just speaks to how deep this team is. We'll be back right after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I think you're right, Dennis. I think that the way that the 49ers defense is structured relies on that defensive line to, you know, reach a certain critical level of dominance, which is why they they can't just be good or, you know, or, you know, semi good or else the whole house of cards falls apart. I think that's what we saw in 2018, right? When the 49ers had basically the same defensive personnel as they had in 2019, minus the two edge rushers. And all of a sudden, you know, they completely surged when they added Bosa and Ford. The reason that they didn't just drop back to 2018 levels, as some people had feared, is because they had that depth. They had that ability, that versatility. They have better coaching along the defensive nut line now with Chris Kosarek to, to make it work. And, you know, you, you have to be really excited if you're a 49ers fan to see, you know, guys like Deion Jordan, who didn't have a good training camp, uh, come out and, and, and surge today. It looked like he found his legs. He had that energy. And we'll got to give Matt credit. I think Matt made a great uh, call on the podcast uh you know, leading up into this game, he said that Deion Jordan might look like Javon Kinlaw, a, a guy who looks a lot better now that he's out of his first training camp in a long time. In Kinlaw's case, his first training camp ever. Deion Jordan hadn't been in training camp since 2013. So uh, it, it's understandable that he was a little beaten down, a little bit worn down. And just as the 49ers needed in week three, he comes in as the fresh reinforcement. Uh, Matt, I want to talk a little bit about the offensive side of the ball back to the end around to uh, Brandon Ayuk. Obviously, we saw Debo Samuel run that play a lot last season. Uh, Samuel is going to be coming back soon. Maybe not next week, but likely week five. That means the 49ers now have two of these guys that have demonstrated a proficiency in being able to run from the wide receiver position one of them, Ayuk, is just great in space. Just those, he has long strides. You know, it really looks like he's ice skating out there. Uh, you know, with the, with the smoothness with which he runs. 
And then you got Debo Samuel, who's who's more physical. He runs a little bit more heavy. We see teams change the pace with their running backs. Uh, you know, you could have a fast running back like Raheem Mostert, or you could, you know, go to a more power back like Jeff Wilson. Are we seeing the beginnings of Kyle Shanahan starting to change the pace with his receivers? in the run game because it looks like he's going to have some options for this end around game once Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are both in the lineup at the same time. Yeah, I think options is the is the operative word there and and you saw him you saw Shanahan hinting at that against the Jets that Ayuk went in motion a few times, never got the handoff on the jet sweeps or anything like that. And then to start this game, the Giants game, he gets the first carry of the game. The first play of the game goes to Ayuk. And you're absolutely right. They're going to have two guys. And Dennis said this at the beginning. I mean, at times, Ayuk looked exactly like Debo Samuel, you know, both on those jet sweep runs and on some of the, the slants and crossing patterns that he was running. They're similar guys. You're right. Debo Samuel is bigger, more of a bowling ball when when he's got, got the ball in space. He just sends the pins flying when he hits... When he hits defensive backs, and uh, you're, you're right, Ayuk is a little bit more elegant, shall we say, uh, as a runner. But, um, you know, uh, both these guys can also go deep, and we really haven't seen that with Ayuk yet. Maybe not uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's forte, uh, maybe not Nick Mullen's forte, but, uh, yeah, that's sort of an underrated aspect, I think, to Debo Samuel. Uh, he's not a slow guy. He caught a lot of deep balls at South Carolina, so... Both of these players should be able to do a little bit of everything. And for a guy like Kyle Shanahan, who takes full advantage of all of his options, uh, that's got to have his mouth watering a little bit. Uh, uh, you know, how this team is going to operate when, as you said, Dennis, array of weaponry at your disposal. And that may be coming up in, in a matter of weeks here. Maybe not week four against the Eagles, but maybe by week five, that weaponry is assembled for Shanahan and for Garoppolo. Yeah, and you know, then I saw you know some spark today. Mohamed Sanu, he he had a couple passes. Yep. I mean, just think about this offense. You know, a, a Debo, a George Kittle, a Mohamed Sanu, a Brandon Ayuk. Debo's defensive coordinators are going to be cringing because you you're, you're not going to know Jarek McKinnon coming out the backfield. You you're just not going to know what's going to happen on this offense. So. I mean, you got to be excited as a 49er fan just to see how explosive. And 36 points today, this team could easily put up 36 points in the first half once everyone gets back and gets on the same page. If Nick Mullins is still in, I mean, he gets rid of the ball so quickly. And you talk about the different running styles of Adebo and Ayuk. But both these guys, once they get the ball, it's all about yak. I mean, they run well after the catch. And if you're on time, if you're in rhythm, nothing but big play. So you got to be excited for for this this offense once everyone kind of gets back. Yeah, and we'll be tracking that really closely this next week because Jimmy Garoppolo, it seemed early in the week, Shanahan thought he might have a chance to, to play against the Giants. So we never expected that to be the case, but that does mean that Week five or week four here uh, coming up against the Eagles, uh, that will be much more on the radar. Same thing with a guy like Debo Samuel who can now come off of IR. So we'll see what the 49ers are able to do. Nick Mullins, I mean, with the way that he played, started off a little shaky, didn't pick up a blitz from Blake Martinez. You know, he threw a couple dangerous passes early on, but he, boy, was he good down the stretch, especially after the 49ers really wore the Giants down. I mean, we talked about the 49ers opponents in weeks one and two 
grinding, you know, death by thousand paper cuts kind of thing, all those plays against the 49ers and the 49ers defense tired out. Well, that's what the 49ers did to the Giants today. They were not overly efficient offensively. You know, for the longest time, the 49ers were just at like five yards a play, which isn't that good. But they ran so many more plays than the Giants, and they ended up running 73 on the game, uh, even though they were kind of just in clock rundown mode there toward the end of the game. So uh, I think the Giants only had 50-something. So that huge play advantage, Matt, meant that the 49ers were able to just, uh, you know, step in and uh, I think trounce the Giants, a tired Giants defense in the second half. And Mullins, you could tell he commands this offense really well. So as soon as a defense is a bit discombobulated, as soon as they're a step behind because they're tired, easy pickings for him. He was just carving them up down the stretch. Yeah, and and I think he can get even better. I mean, uh, Dennis just mentioned how quickly he gets rid of the ball. Um, I thought that he was dealing with some some not bad snaps from uh, the center today, but the shotgun snaps seemed to be high. And so he sort of had to reach up and, and grab him with one hand every now and then. That sort of took him out of that rhythm, and he had to kind of re- rediscover it very quickly. Um, you know, if that issue is solved, I mean, he's, he's getting rid of the ball even faster than that. And um, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, I, I counted it up. Right at the, at the two-minute warning for the first half, uh, Jarek McKinnon and Jeff Wilson had combined for 12 carries for 14 yards. I mean, they were just getting stuffed by a, a Giants defense that was stacking the box. And then something happened. Um, you know, the, the, the two plays to uh, Ross Dwelly that I was talking about earlier. And then everything opened up. Uh, they started running to the left. Um, you know, that's that's the strong side. That's the Trent Williams. That's the Lake and Tomlinson side. Uh, and then McKinnon scored, uh, you know, followed uh, Kyle Juszczyk through the hole. The fullback put a great block on a linebacker, and that was it. I mean, at that point, the route was on, and uh, the 49ers could pretty much do whatever they wanted uh, offensively from that point forth. So uh, I don't know what exactly clicked on that drive, but something did, and uh, the 49ers were feeling it by game's end. Yeah, and, and here's a surprising stat. The 49ers never punted the ball. I mean, that is that is an amazing stat in the in the National Football League that, that – on I think let's see was at nine possessions you you end up scoring touchdowns or or field goals so they commanded the game they they dominated in all stats but to, to give your punter the day off is truly a huge accomplishment and it says a lot about your offense the 49ers today did not punt for the first time since 1993 Dennis you you were on that team it was a 55 yeah. to 17 win over the Lions December of 93 before you guys wow played the Cowboys in the NFC Championship that year. It was during the year that Emmett Smith won the MVP instead of Steve Young. But Steve Young threw for 15.9 yards per attempt in that game. Just dominant. So <laughs> Good stats. <Yeah. laughs> and I, That's good knowledge right there. I got one more to finish up for you today. This is courtesy of Shanahan when, when he was talking after the game. 49ers had a 15-play drive on which they didn't face a single third down. That's how efficient they were toward the end of the game today. That's how tired the Giants couldn't even get him to third down. 49ers picked up 102 yards on that drive. That's possible because they had a 10-yard holding pen- penalty that pushed them back. So they they went more than the length of the field without facing a single third down. Um, impressive stuff. Yeah, and Kyle Shanahan made the statement at the end of the game that he hates 
uh, calling plays on long, uh, long drives. And, you know, that surprised me. I'm thinking as a play caller, you must love long drives. But he said it's challenging to keep calling plays on long drives. So that must have been one of those drives he was talking about. Yeah, he uh, he doesn't want to show too many of his cards, I, I think, too. If you look at uh, he doesn't want to use it all up against the Giants because he, he's got the Rams coming up in week six. The 49ers inching closer in the division. I believe that Arizona lost. I also believe that the Rams lost to the Bills. So the Seahawks beat Dallas in a close game. Uh, I mean, this is going to come down to the wire, I think, this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. So for the 49ers, every single one of these wins matters. Next week, Sunday Night Football against Philadelphia. Anyway, for Matt Barrows and for Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi signing off. We'll talk to you next time. Niners win this one 36-9 over the New York Giants.